Hey everyone, it's Hannah Bayshuck with Shit You Should Probably Know, the podcast where we actually talk about the shit you're too embarrassed to admit you don't actually know. So today we have Sohail. He is a board-certified Mayo-trained dermatologist with over 25 years of experience in the field. And we are going to be talking about your largest organ, your skin. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. And before we actually start, I have to thank you. Um, and congratulate you for starting this, uh, this endeavor. I think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing in that you're reaching a larger population with information that they don't necessarily have access to or that they don't know that they need to know. And so thank you for doing it and thank you for including me. Thank you. That was so thoughtful. And I really appreciate that. And to be honest, I feel like this is a topic that you probably see a lot of people act like they know a lot in, but they don't. You know, we look at our skin. It's so important to our health, right? It is our largest organ. It's our first line of defense. It regulates our body temperature, yet we neglect it. You know, I never just like leave my liver out to bake in the sun, but I do with my skin. So as a dermatologist, what is your response to how just most people treat their skin? Actually, you may be surprised by my answer. I'm very happy. I'm very pleasantly surprised with how people are uh, treating their skin. When I started my practice, I placed my focus primarily on skin cancer. And uh, naturally, when you're building a practice and you're focusing on skin cancer and you're seeing patients with skin cancer or concerns about that, and you build a rapport, you build a relationship. And so when their neighbor, their loved ones, their children, they um, require medical care and specifically about a skin lesion, then they refer that person to you. So with time, that practice builds itself through word of mouth. And having been doing this for a number of years, I'm noticing that, and again, I'm just speaking for my own practice. I don't know that this is generally true, but in my small world, I'm noticing that people who are presenting for their first exam, first full exam uh, for screening uh, uh, skin cancer, are not in their 60s and 70s and 50s, they're in their 30s and 40s, which is exactly the way it should be. This is when uh, one can make a difference. And so that is, uh, that's a wonderful thing that's happening. And I think our awareness, I think it's a natural response. I'm in my 30s and, and skincare has never been so important to me. I do have to say, I, I was talking to actually, a, I went to a dermatologist earlier today and she was asking me like, do you wear sunscreen? How do you treat your skin? And I said, very well, but I'm going to be real. I was 18 one time and I baked and didn't wear sunscreen. And like, like how much equity do I need to put into that irresponsible time in my life? Like, should I be worried because I did go to the tanning bed? I didn't religiously go, but like, I've been to a tanning bed when I was 17 or 18 and I was in high school. Like, am I screwed? Well, no, you have to realize that life happens and what's happened in the past, you can't necessarily control. There is nothing you can do about that. And you're absolutely correct in that what happens to you as a child, what happens to you in your teen years, your 20s, that does set you up for future events. 
So if you have had a uh, sunburn, a blistering sunburn as a child, yes, you need to worry because that skin is much more susceptible later on. And it takes a lot less sun to cause a lot more damage. On the other hand, you have many years ahead of you. And it is a cumulative effect, the effects of the sun. Um, they do get added to what you've had in the past. And so what you do in your 30s will affect you in your 50s and 60s and 90s. And so it's never too late to start wearing sunscreen. It's never too late. And you have to realize that nobody's perfect. And when we make these recommendations, uh, we make the recommendations for a perfect world, which doesn't exist. So you do that, you fit that with your lifestyle. So I... I'm someone who has always been very fair-skinned. I've always needed sunscreen. I've always burned. But I have friends who have just like very natural olive skin, and they're like, I don't really need sunscreen. Is that a thing? Do they just not need sunscreen? Or do they need it? They just don't know. They are less likely to burn than you are. But again, in my experience, when I see a redhead who has no color, a lot of times they have a lot less sun damage than someone with darker skin for that very reason, because they learn at the age of five that it's not particularly pleasant to have a sunburn. So regardless of what their parents tell them, they avoid that situation. Yes, everyone needs sunscreen. And yes, people with darker skin are less likely to burn. So they are potentially more protected than, than someone with a lighter complexion. Right. So I typed into Google, <clears throat> best ways to take care of your skin and I thought I was going to say, like, wash your face, wear sunscreen. I'm not even kidding you. The four top sponsored things that came up were an at-home laser device for $2,000 that claims to rejuvenate your skin, a contour face light mask that has, I guess, LED light therapy for anti-aging, a trainer sculpt kit, and supplements. Like, I do, I feel like that's a good representation of kind of the big the conflict between skincare industry and truly taking care of your skin. Mm -hmm. So what's your response and do any of those things work? Are they bad for you? Uh, let me think how to uh, how to uh, where to begin in in answering this. First of all, I would like to begin by telling you that there is a lot more, uh, there are a lot more similarities between the two areas, between medical skin care and aesthetic skin care, in that sun is the big culprit. Skin cancer, of course, it's a fact that skin cancer is caused by sun. And what most people don't realize is that sun is also responsible for everything that they attribute to aging. So, and I wish I had kept this or I had access to it. During my residency, I uh, was shown a photograph of a Native American uh, with a special position uh, in the tribe who, for whatever reason, was not allowed to leave an enclosure. And this individual in his or her, I don't remember, 80s, uh, looked very similar to someone in their 40s. They had many other problems. They probably couldn't walk. They had no, you know, there, there were many other medical issues, I'm sure. But the skin was perfect because the skin had not seen the light of day. 
So while it is so th that is the similarity between the, between the two between the two areas. As far as the claims are concerned, I've come across many of those myself. I uh, we were not in the country, but we were elsewhere, and and my wife was looking at some things, and we were just looking at each other and smiling, and she was telling me, "Okay, so truly is this essence of whatever that they're telling me to put on my skin? Will it work?" I said, well, um, you put it on and see, and that's the advice I give people. And people are um, much savvier now than they used to be. I even have a, a patient who uh, purchased uh, some uh, lotion or some material that made a claim, and she took a before and after photo, and she used it for the number of months that they had recommended. And she took her photo, which was more real than their than the pretend before and after, because the the before no makeup, poor lighting, and the after you have the candle in the front and the floodlights in the back and light makeup that isn't really visible but it's there. So she had her own and she took it back to the source and said, "Look at me, I look exactly the same. I've gone through a bottle of yours. I want my money back. Thank you very much." Most people don't do that, but the advice that I do give people is that, yes, uh, because people are more savvy, these claims that are made are made for, with some backing, with some uh, rationale. But I tell them not to expect 100% of what they're saying. Something will happen. Just make sure that you're satisfied with it. And if you're not, then go get your money back. But unfortunately, if a company is making a product and if one-fifth of the people in the United States purchase that only once, that's fine. They can retire, they're done, they're finished. So they're, And of course, with the repeat business, then the, then the uh, production and the income are there. And so the fact is that if you are purchasing something with a claim, um, hold them to their, uh, to their claim. So I'm... You know, I'm looking at, speaking of the devices that I was mentioning, this contour light device. I mean, it looks like a little tanning bed, but it's supposed to rejuvenate your skin. I mean, what is your advice on people buying these, like, lights against your face? I personally am not for, from that to the, uh, and this is a very controversial issue, to the gel. Um, yeah, the uh, nail gel stuff. The nails, yes, yes. Yeah. And, you know, ultraviolet radiation is not great for you. So exposing yourself to that. Now, it's all in a matter of degrees. It is a minuscule amount. And uh, to me, if you're going to have something done, I would rather you have it done by a professional who is trained to do it as opposed to uh, doing it yourself. You don't, this is an exaggeration, but I like it because it makes a point. You don't take your own appendix out. You don't do any of those things. You don't even necessarily pierce your own ear unless you're, I don't know, six, seven, when, uh, or your sibling gets a hold of you. So I would go to someone who knows what they're doing and, uh, again, hold them to their claim. Right. I mean, I was reading that the skincare industry and the as a global market, it was valued at one6 Six seven billion dollars in 2021. So it always just makes you nervous when something is that profitable. Making sure that also it's honest and that you can trust it. And I do think there's an extent of, you know, everyone's like face masks and this. I, you know, like you said, I think the only kind of magic, like what is that, like golden ticket, is probably just being careful about your sun exposure 
and moving forward with that, what is your thoughts? Because I was telling this dermatologist I saw, I was like, I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to probably die from my time in the tanning bed. But like, if it comes out that spray tans will kill you, I'm probably going to be gone in a week. Like I have gotten so many spray tans in my life and I still do self-tanner. Like what's your thought? Because also it's like the lesser of two evils, but is it even evil or is it like, no, you're good? I don't know what your dermatologist position was, but I have no problem with self-tanners because it is a fact of life that everyone cares about the way they look. And there's a reason why this is a multi-billion dollar industry, because before people knew they were people, they cared about the way they looked. The, uh, the ancient civilizations, the Egyptians cared, the Romans cared, everybody cared, and everybody cares now. So what I tell people about self-tanner is that just don't think that it gives you the protection that a regular tan does. Of course, you can burn through it, so you still need to use your sun protection. On the other hand, there are people, I mean, it depends on how much of a purist you are. There are people who don't put any chemical on their skin, including sunscreen, because they think this is hazardous. And, they, and it's true, a small amount of whatever material you put on your skin will get absorbed. It's weighing the balance or, or uh, balancing the uh, pros and cons and the risk and benefit ratios. To me, the minimal amount of chemical that gets absorbed into your skin by putting on sunscreen is worth not getting burnt and not having skin cancer. I love hearing that. And I'm I'm also such a believer in that moderate kind of mentality. And I think that's where like I contradict myself so many places in my life. So like I agree. I'm gonna get it's the I'm gonna get the spray tan because it makes me feel better. And I'm like, it, it's it's you know, it's a small little thing. But then at the same time, I've completely and totally drank the Kool-Aid on these clean products. In, on my skin. And I will say my skin does react better to clean products like lotions and um, serums. But from your point of view, because it is like you're, you know, they, the clean product industry also really markets it being clean and all the positives of having clean products and how negative, you know, some of these store-bought not clean products are. So in your point of view, are you like, yeah, you should do that? or And you're glad we're all waking up to it? Or are you kind of like, eh, it's it's its own kind of marketing um, trap. There's marketing in everything, including medicine. I'm sure you've seen the advertisements for all the new medic uh, medications that are available. So there's marketing everywhere because it works. I'm glad you brought up the, the your own routine and uh, and what you do because again, what I tell people is that. If it is comfortable for you and you are seeing results, by all means, do it. But I don't tell everyone, spend whatever it takes to get this particular type of product. And natural, when people come and tell me or when they market something as natural and they say this is good for you, I don't have any problem with that. I personally am obsessive about uh, what I eat and, and where it comes from and all of that. That's my quirk, my uh, particular um, fill in the blank, whatever you want to call it. But I also tell people, you know, poison ivy is very natural and organic. It doesn't necessarily mean just because it's organic, it is the best thing out there for you, uh, or that you must move heaven and earth in order to obtain this particular product. So you've seen results from that. I have nothing against it whatsoever. And if somebody's making money from that, why not? 
So a lot of what we do on Chit, you should probably know, is like give information, but also we want to say, what do you do with this information? So when it comes to skincare and talking to a dermatologist, one, you know, I have a seven-month-old, like when should I take him to a dermatologist? And two, how do you navigate finding a dermatologist? I'll answer your second question first because it's easier. What I uh, recommend to people who are moving out of town is go to the website for the American Board of Dermatology and all board-certified dermatologists are listed uh, for your location. But really the best way to find a dermatologist is through someone who's seen them. But when you're moving to Tampa, you don't necessarily know anybody in Tampa. So then you go to the the, uh, website for the board. And as far as children are concerned, I get that question not infrequently. And sadly, as I have practiced longer, I'm getting that question about grandchildren now from my own people who have come up. And seven months is way too early unless there is an issue. Uh, Because when you see your child's pediatrician, of course, they are examining the skin and they are more than capable of examining and and diagnosing skin um, diseases or minor problems. If there is a genetic issue, of course, you have been told that from birth and some need to be under the care of a dermatologist. If there is uh, a particular problem, and there are many which are beyond the scope of what we're doing here today, but if there is a particular dermatologic concern, then yes, your pediatrician will recommend for you to do that. But when people ask me that question, I say late 20s, early 30s is a good time to get into a routine annual skin examination by a dermatologist. I'm very biased about this. I think we see things, especially when it comes to cancer, sometimes we see things sooner than other people do. How often should you be getting your moles checked? Like I have like a few moles. They're always fine. No one, every time a dermatologist is like, they're good. Is that they're good? Like last me for my lifetime or do I need to be getting them checked every year? Well, they're fine at that moment in time. They may not be fine tomorrow. I'm not suggesting that you should see someone tomorrow. What is much, much more important, much more important than you seeing your dermatologist, again, in my opinion, is you examining your own skin once a month. And that is akin to your uh, self-breast exam and mammograms annually. And I always tell my patients, okay, we're not going to see each other for a year. And by the way, one year, unless there's a problem, if there's a new skin cancer, if they're with someone walking off the street with no previous issues wanting a screening test or screening exam, what I tell them is that once a year is perfect. But if something shows up behind your ear tomorrow and you are not aware of it, it sits there for a year before I see it. So I tell them, look at yourself once a month and no more. Because if you're looking at your spots every day, they will change in front of you and you will miss that. So no more than once a month and preferably with another set of eyes who will look at your back and behind the ears and the back of the neck and places that are not so accessible to you. Yeah, it's all about being proactive. I feel like for me, my kind of Achilles heel, like my tough spot is I have really bad eczema. And I feel like I always call the dermatologist when I'm in a panic rush and need to see them tomorrow because my eczema is so bad and I have a flare up, but then they're two months booked. And so it's just hard. It's more about, I've learned to be more proactive of being like, I need to go and schedule this in advance because it's inevitable. Our 
skin is going to change and grow as we do. So it's, it's, I could do a whole episode asking you questions about eczema because that's been a real, like, tough thing for me throughout my life. And I've had it since I was literally a year old, probably, probably before there. My son now has eczema and that's been annoying. And, you know, he's had to deal with it. You know, the, the fine line of having to navigate, do I do steroids? Do we not? Like, no, but that's a perfect, perfect point that you brought up in that regardless of whether it, it, whatever skin issue you have. And again, I go back to people who are going out of town. I tell them, uh, or moving out of town, I tell them, I've seen you, you're fine, but as soon as you move, as soon as you know where everything is in your house, you feel relatively settled, find a dermatologist, go meet them. You have no problem. You have no need. Go say hello. Now you're an established patient and it is much easier to get in for a emergency, an emergency or a semi-emergency situation. On the other hand, I tell my stable, steady people to please come in regardless of whether you have an issue or not, because then we can do your refills. You have access to all of your medications and you're not in a rush to get in because of some actual flare that is happening at that moment in time, especially if you have steady medications. And as far as steroids and non-steroids, and and I don't want to steal anything from the next episode we're going to do, but I am all for not using steroids. On the other hand, if that is what is helping you, steroids have been used for eons without people having any issues with them, and they can be used safely, and it is much better for you to use them and not have this open wound source of infection on your skin than, than be an absolute purist who doesn't touch them. And there are more and more products that are not steroids and uh, accessible to you um, that will work just as well, depending on whether they work for you specifically or not. Honestly, like that's also comforting. I think, again, like I really resonate with this one size doesn't fit all. And this kind of, it is your unique experience with how you treat your body, your skin, everything, and, and being very realistic about your emotional needs, and then also your physical needs and your health needs. So thank you so much for joining us. This was, I learned a lot. And this is the kind of conversation, like as I was saying, you think you know a lot, but you don't know. Like when you sit down and you really ask those questions, and a lot of times these conversations come up when you're in a place where it's not as positive or they're tougher conversations. So it's good to just go ahead and Rip the Band-Aid, have that information and that knowledge in the back of your mind so you can make a well-educated decision when it comes to your skin and the care of it. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I sure will be talking again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've enjoyed our time. Thank you. Per usual, the information shared on this podcast reflects my views or opinions or those of my guests and is presented as a general information only without guaranteeing its completeness. Nothing in this episode is intended to be or shall be construed as a statement of fact or any legal, medical, or other professional advice. Any reference to a specific product or entity is not an endorsement or recommendation unless expressly stated otherwise.